First Peter chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. I want to preach this morning on suffering. Why am I suffering? Why am I suffering? I guess as a young Christian, one of the things that bothered me most is seeing, uh, I knew there uh, were good Christians and seeing them get sick. And, uh, you know, uh, like we do up here on Wednesday nights, you get together and you have a prayer list, you're praying over Christians, you're praying over, uh, trying to pray in the Lord and asking God to heal these people up, and sometimes they don't get healed up. I mean, the Lord does heal people up sometimes, and we give Him the honor and glory for that, but sometimes they don't. And you see really good Christians, and I know they're not perfect, I know they're, I know they're sinners, but I know they're living for the Lord, and they're trying to do what's right, and sometimes a lot of them are doing a lot better job at it than I am. And to see them start suffering through something, you, it makes you wonder, and as a young Christian, I would question God about this stuff. I, uh, why, God, are you doing this? Why would you allow this to happen? And, uh, it, was a, it was a sin for me to question God that way. It was my ignorance of God. It was my ignorance of how God works, and it was my ignorance of what God does in men's lives. And it was my ignorance of being young and not realizing that we all suffer in our own ways. Uh, we're all going to suffer eventually. And uh, just because you're not suffering physically, you might uh, suffer emotionally. And I think in my life, uh, I've suffered through some physical things, but man, I've suffered a whole lot more emotionally than I have uh, physically. And I think back to that emotional suffering, and to me, that was ten times worse for me to go through some of the, uh, the emotional suffering I've been through than the physical now, I'm not saying that I enjoyed any of the physical suffering, but there was suffering in my life, and there's suffering in every one of y'all's lives. But we need to question ourselves and ask God, and we're, that's what we're going to do here through Peter. And Peter's going, to, Peter's going to educate us on why we might be suffering, why you might be suffering this morning, and why you might have suffered. But he, first off, he wants to tell us there in verse 1, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh. First off, you need to realize that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He suffered. He didn't walk through this world not suffering. He suffered just like you suffered. He got tired. He got hungry. He, got, he had some things happen to Him. And of course, He suffered in the flesh in the sense that He got beat. He got whipped. He had to go through all the pain and agony that none of us in here are going to experience on the cross. Uh, they say that's one of the most agonizing ways to be tortured to death is the cross of Calvary. And he, he suffered through all that. And that's the first thing Peter wants to remind you is that Christ had suffered for us in the flesh. Now, notice that he says he did all that suffering not for himself, for us. He, he didn't have to do that. You, uh, uh, Lily Joe was up here and she was asking about God. And I said, Jesus Christ is God. And I was talking about him being on the cross. And you realize when we're talking about God and Jesus Christ being God manifest in the flesh, that that's God allowing himself to suffer for us. Jesus Christ, he didn't have to go to the cross. Jesus didn't have to suffer. Jesus Christ didn't have to be born in a manger. He chose to be all these things. He chose to be lowly. He chose to be poor. He chose to live the life he lived on this earth. He could have came into the he could have came and manifest himself out as a king. 
the first time. Amen. He come, could have came and manifested himself out living in a mansion, living in a palace with all the money. But that's not the way Jesus Christ came. The first time he came, he came as a sufferer. It says in Matthew chapter 8, one of his, uh, one of the, I think it was a Pharisee, said, Master, I will follow thee wheresoever thou goest. He told Jesus, Master, I will follow thee wheresoever thou goest. And Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. You want to follow me? Okay, well, you're going to follow me, and I'm, I don't even have a place to lay my head. I don't have a pillow. I don't have a house. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you're a Christian and you're thinking it's God's duty to give you a home or to give you a car or give you some kind of new thing, that's not God's duty. He's not promised you these things. He didn't even give them to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ lived a life that didn't have any of these things. So now you know how, what you should be thanking God for. <laughs> I hadn't even got started. You know I should be praising God that he has given me these things that our Lord and Savior didn't even have. A roof over my head, air conditioning, heating, a car, food, a pillow. Everybody in this room has a pillow at home. Thank God you have a pillow. Jesus Christ said he didn't have a place to lay his head. So you need to think, first and foremost, I'm suffering, but oh, did Jesus Christ suffer more than me. And secondly... Peter wants to tell you, arm yourselves, likewise with the same mind. You don't need to arm yourself with a gun. You need to arm yourself with the mindset that, hey, if Jesus Christ suffered, I better be ready to start suffering. Okay? So first, you need to, you need to arm yourself. You need to have that kind of mindset that, hey, there's going to come a time I'm going to suffer, be it physically or emotionally. And I, if you're a young Christian in here, I'm going to tell you something. As a young Christian, that you need to know you will suffer. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to bring you down. I'm not trying to throw some water on your fire for the Lord. But you will suffer. But when, if you'll stick with me this morning, you'll find out why you might be suffering and how it's going to make you a better person. Amen. I'm a better Christian for my emotional suffering and my physical suffering I've been through in my life. Amen. I'm a better man. I'm a better husband. And I'm a better friend to a lot of y'all. Uh, some of y'all said, uh, oh, Brother Keegan, this, that, and another says things to me. If you'd have known me when I was 16 and 17 years old, when I was living in the prime of what I call the prime of my life, before I was saved, you wouldn't have liked me one bit. I was a huge sinner. I wouldn't have been a good friend, and I was wicked. But I'm a better person thanks to Jesus Christ and some of the suffering I've gone through in my life, not just physical but emotional. First off, he says, for he... That suffereth in the flesh hath ceased from sin. The first reason you might be suffering is simply this. That you might be suffering to keep you from sinning. <laughs> you might be suffering because it keeps you from sinning. I know when I was dealing with some of my physical problems I've had and I didn't want to take medicine and I was trying to avoid taking any kind of medicine because, you know, I just had this attitude about medicine. I prayed and prayed for God to heal me and he wouldn't heal me. And I prayed and prayed God to do these different things and he wouldn't do it for me. And man, I prayed so sincerely and nothing was happening in my life. And, and uh, one time I was driving down the road early in the morning and I was talking to God in the car and I was talking about how I don't, I don't want to take this medicine, God. And God spoke, I feel like God spoke to my heart and said, well, when you have a headache, do you take an aspirin? <laughs> man, I'm the first one to pop one of them pills when I have, because if y'all know me, I have real bad headaches. And man, I pop those pills. Yeah. 
So he said, stop being a hypocrite. I, I really felt like he was saying, you're being a hypocrite. So when I realized that the Lord was okay with me taking some of this medicine because I was living with this disease I have and some of the things I was having, well, I got to sitting at home and I'm doing, going through my Bible reading. I came across this verse right here. And you know what it's like we were talking about, we've talked about before. You know how amazing it is you read through the Bible and then all of a sudden you read it again and there's something that somebody's put in there that wasn't there the first time. It's like somebody's written in and wrote that in. But you know they didn't, but it feels like somebody is slipping things into that book behind your back. That book's alive. That's why. It's alive and God closes your eyes to some things and opens your eyes. So at that time, I needed this verse. And I read through that verse and I read right there, for he that had suffered in the flesh had ceased from sin. And I realized right then why God hasn't healed me up. I realized right then why I was suffering with this disease, why I was suffering with some of these physical problems I'm having. God's having me suffer because it keeps me from sinning. Amen. I don't know how y'all are, but uh, I know that I'm, I'm the biggest sinner in the world when I'm fat and sassy. When I, I have a full stomach, and I feel good, and I'm healthy, and I'm fat and sassy, man, you, I'm telling you right now, I would be, I'm liable to do any kind of sin. But, man, if you catch me laying on my back in bed, sick, or any kind, I, it's a lot harder to sin when you're laying on your back in a hospital bed. <laughs> a lot harder. Look, verse 2, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men. You've got a time to live, and you've got a certain amount of time in your life to live, and you shouldn't be living that time, the rest of that time, to the lust of men. Otherwise, sometimes you're suffering because if God doesn't have you suffering, you're going to be lusting after different things. You'll take your good health, and you'll go over here, and you'll, you'll lust for a new car, or you'll lust for a new house, or you'll be lusting for money, or whatever things that men lust for, or women. It's real hard to be laying on your back in a hospital bed and be lusting for a new car or a new house or lusting over a woman when you're sick laying on your back. Amen. There, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Amen. Amen. You know what sickness does for you? Sickness keeps you humble. Amen. Yeah, it does. It humbles you down. And you know what I know about God? God loves. Now listen to me. God loves for you to be humble. You should want to be humble. Man, we got too much pride. And God giveth grace to the humble. And he resisteth the proud. And when you're healthy and you're not suffering and life's going good and everything's going right... You tend to be very proud. You tend to start taking credit for things going on in your life. And you start taking credit for the money you have in the bank. And the new car that's sitting in your driveway. And you start taking credit for a lot of this stuff. And you're very prideful. And God brings some suffering into your life. And it humbles you down. Amen. And if there's one thing that every Christian in this room needs. Is we need to be more humble. Amen. Amen. Uh, that's what we need. And that's the way you touch the heart of God. was through humbleness. And sickness does that for you. Sickness is a great way to humble yourself down. Let's look at another one of these. Uh, skip ahead. We're still in 1 Peter chapter 4. Skip ahead to verse 12. Talking about suffering. Why, why am I suffering? Why am I suffering? Look, skip down to verse 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. First thing Peter wants to tell you in this set of verses is this. 
what's going on in your life, whatever you're suffering through in your life, be it any kind of emotional pain or physical pain, guys, that's nothing strange. It happens to everybody. You're not alone. Everybody, there's not anything that you're ha- that's happening in your life that you're suffering through that somebody else hasn't had and is maybe having it worse. And I've heard, uh, I hate to use this example, but I've heard so many different people say this. They'll be going through some kind of cancer treatment, and they'll go down to the hospital, and they'll be waiting in the waiting room to get their radiation or get some kind of cancer treatment, and they'll be in there, and they'll tell me, oh, Brother Keegan, I thought I had it bad. And then I got in there, and I started hearing the stories. And it amazes me how many of these people, when they get in that waiting room, I guess because it's such a long wait, they get to talking to each other about the cancer that they're dealing with. You know, some person, they'll be there, and they might only, the doctors told them, you got months to live. And it's, 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 it's a suffering. But it's no strange thing, because, look, beloved, this is, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is a trial you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Verse 13, but rejoice, inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. Now, that's a verse that's hard to live. It's easy for me to sit up here and read that you need to rejoice in your sufferings. And I'm not going to judge you, and I would never judge you on this. But the Lord has a reason for you to suffer. And the Lord says, if you're suffering, you need to try to rejoice in it. Now, am I going to explain how that's done? No, I'm not. That's something that's going to have to be uh, supernatural. That's going to have to be spiritual. That's going to have to be the Holy Spirit living in you. But I know one thing, guys. I know one thing is this is to be true, is that you have to go through the bad. You have to go through the bad to appreciate the good. Amen. You have to. And if you've never gone through the bad, you'll never appreciate the good. And that's why we have a country full of a bunch of spoiled, rotten brats. And when I say that, they might be 15 and they might be, uh, they might be 75. It has nothing to do with age. But we have a bunch of American Christians and Americans in general that live in this country and they're spoiled brats. We have it so good, they haven't had to deal with anything bad. They can't appreciate how good they have it. They can't appreciate the freedom. They can't appreciate the food being on the shelves. They can't appreciate turning on a faucet and water coming out. and all. You know, all they can't appreciate anything of the benefits we have in this country. We're so spoiled. They haven't gone through the bad. But I promise you, you go down to Houston this morning, and there's some people that are appreciating the good. They're going through the bad, and they appreciate the good that's coming. But you've got to go through the bad to appreciate the good. But rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. You're going to meet the Lord one day, and if you meet the Lord and you've suffered through a lot, that's going to be a great joy. Because you're going to see the Lord, and the Lord's going to say, I understand. I understand. And you're going to know it's over. See, you're suffering right now, but there's going to come a time where you're going to see Jesus Christ's face, and when you see that face, you're going to say in your heart, it's over. The suffering, the pain, it's over. And you're going to have a joy that you cannot even describe to yourself. It's going to be a joy. Praise God, it's going to be a joy. Verse 14, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. 
Is somebody making fun of you at work for being a Christian? Is people making fun of you? You're handing out a track? You feel reproached in any way? You should be happy. Yes, sir, you should be happy. For the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. Hey, when you're doing something for Jesus Christ's name and somebody reproaches you, somebody cusses you, somebody does something wrong to you, the Holy Spirit is there for you and rests on you. That's when the Holy Spirit works the strongest. Is He not called the Comforter? Comforter, The Comforter is not used for somebody who's going through good times. The Comforter is for somebody who's suffering. That's the Spirit of God. The Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, He is evil spoken of, but on your part, He is glorified. They're speaking evil of Jesus. They're making fun of Jesus. They're mocking you. But on your part, oh, Jesus Christ is being glorified the more. Praise the Lord for that. Verse 15, but, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Now he says if you're sitting in jail right now and you've murdered somebody, you're not suffering. That's called getting what you deserve. Amen. Amen. If you're sitting in jail or having to pay a fine because you stole something, you're not suffering. You're getting what you deserve. If you've done some kind of sin in your life and you're suffering because of that sin, you're not suffering, guys. You're getting your just rewards. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you've sown something and now you're reaping it, don't cry to God saying, Oh, I'm suffering, God, I'm suffering. No, you're getting what you deserve. And that's what Peter's trying to point out to you. I also like to point out to you this too, verse uh, 15, but let none of you suffer as a murderer. And he lumps in murderer, a thief, and he lumps right all those in together with a busybody. (laughs) Oh, he could have left that one off. You're running your mouth about everybody else. You're running your mouth about people in the church. You're running your mouth about your co-workers. You're running your mouth. You're being a busybody. You're getting at other people's affairs. You're not suffering for any of that. You shouldn't be suffering for that. You should be suffering because you're a Christian. Verse 16. Look at verse 16. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, we're talking about Christians here, suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed because they're making fun of you, they're mocking you. Don't be ashamed because you've got scriptures on your shirt or you've got scriptures on your car or you talk about the Bible and they laugh at you and they, smile, they give you that. What, see, this is what drives me. When I talk about the Bible with some people or I, I mention the Lord is when people give me that smirk. Like, <laughs> like they're calling me an idiot and they give me that little smirky look on their face. That's when I'm saying, okay, Lord, turn, turn the other way. I'm going to... Hey, yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed about that stuff. But let him glorify God on this behalf. The next point I want to point out to you is this. You might be suffering just to glorify God. Simply that. You might not be suffering to keep you from sinning. You might not be suffering because of some kind of sin that's in your life that God's keeping you from doing. You might be suffering simply because God wants to get the glory. Uh, Brother Job. 
Brother Job, he, he lived through that. Go read the book of Job. God, God is uh, playing, a, him and Satan are having a play up in heaven. And Satan is trying to question God that Job only loves him because God's been so good to him. And uh, Y'all know the story. If you don't, go read the book of Job. It tells you a good man, a righteous man like Job, suffering through all he suffered through. Not because he did anything wrong, but for God to get the glory. And in our lives, our whole purpose is to glorify God. And if you can glorify God through your suffering, isn't that what we all want as Christians, is for God to get the glory? How does God get the glory through our, through our suffering? When a Christian suffers through it physical or emotional pain, or suffers through some kind of rejection or some kind of suffering because they're a Christian, when Christians deal with all that, when they turn around and still praise the Lord and give God the glory... God gets so much glory out of that. I mean, you, there's no way you can talk bad about that. When you have a Christian that's been given a diagnosis of cancer and they've been given a diagnosis that's not good and maybe they've only been given so many months to live and they have a smile on their face and they have a glow about them and they still glorify God and they still read their Bible and they still talk about the Lord Jesus Christ, God gets a glory out of that. Amen. And God gets glorified through this stuff. You know, I try to stress to you that you got to go through the bad to appreciate the good. And I was visiting Brother Ricky Dodd yesterday, and uh, we were talking, and uh, me and Brother Ricky and Brother Ricky Dodd were saying, uh, Brother, what are you preaching, Brother Keegan, that Sunday? What are you preaching tomorrow? And I was, talk, I was leading through some of these verses. I opened up his Bible, and I was reading through some of these verses. And uh, it, got, it occurred to me, I was reading these verses, that the whole time I came into his room, there's one thing that Ricky Dodd kept talking about, going to heaven. And it occurred to me, I said, Brother Ricky, I don't know anybody, Brother Ricky Dodd, I said, I don't know anybody that talks about going to heaven more than you. But I also don't know any other Christian that suffered as much as that poor brother suffered. When he fell 30 feet onto that concrete floor and his eyeballs popped out of his head, his brains were hanging out, and they said he wasn't going to live, they told his mom and dad he probably wasn't going to live another day. And if he did live another day, he'd be a vegetable. That brother not only lived another day, he outlived his mom and his dad and his brother and a sister. And he's laying in that nursing home all by himself. And I go in that room and he talks about the Lord Jesus Christ and he says, I can't wait to go to heaven. I can't wait to go to heaven to see my mom and dad. I can't wait to go to heaven. See, that's somebody who's gone through the bad that can't wait to get to the good. To get to the promised land, you had to go through the wilderness. Suffering. To get to heaven, you got to go through the cross. Suffering. It's all about suffering, guys. you got to go through the bad to appreciate the good. Let's look at another one of these. Look at verse 19. Well, I tell you what, before we turn to verse 19, turn to Acts chapter 5. Quick. Real quick, guys, turn to Acts chapter 5, I'll show you something. I was mentioning this Wednesday night, might as well turn, I'll show it to you. I think I was reading this verse last Wednesday night, if you were in here. But Acts chapter 5, verse uh, 40, talking about praising God when you're uh, being mistreated. Talking about praising God. And God gets the glory when you're being mistreated, when you're suffering, God gets the glory. 
verse 40, Acts chapter 5, verse 40, Peter and the apostles, they've been arrested for preaching the name of Jesus Christ. And as they've been arrested, the, uh, the, leaders, the leaders are arguing what they should do with them. And they're arguing that maybe we shouldn't do anything to them. Maybe we should just leave them alone because uh, if it's of God, then you can't overthrow it, is what they're saying in verse 39. But look at verse 40. And to him they agreed. And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they beat the apostles. See that word beaten? See, you just read through that when you're doing your Bible reading, right? But that, word, that, that one word is a lot. A lot of y'all have been beaten lately. But if you've been beaten, that word would mean a whole lot more to you. These guys were beaten. And they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now look at their reaction. They've been beaten. They've done nothing wrong. They've preached Jesus Christ. They've been beaten for preaching Jesus. Look what they did in verse 41. Peter and the, Peter and the rest of the apostles. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Amen. See, they didn't get down. They didn't blame God. They didn't question God. They said, praise the Lord. They think I'm a Christian. They think enough of me as being a Christian that they beat me for being a Christian. See, that should encourage you. If you're being, a, if you're being ridiculed for being a Christian, that means that they think you're a Christian. Praise the Lord. Because there's some people that they can't ridicule for being a Christian because they don't know if they're a Christian or not. <laughs> They've never seen them going to church. They've never seen them reading the Bible. They've never seen them talking about the Lord. But if you get them in a corner when nobody else is around, they'll say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. But you're suffering for it because they know what you are. That's a great testimony, guys. But uh, you know what, what happened in verse 42? And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. <laughs> that didn't stop them. Woo! They said, all right, you can beat us. You can let us go. And they go, oh, glory to God. Okay, where are we going to preach Jesus next? That's exactly what they did, guys. They ended up dying for it. Got their head cut off. Peter ended up getting, uh, by, by history tradition, Peter ended up getting crucified upside down. Because he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Savior. And they turned the cross upside down. They died. Peter died. Suffering for Jesus Christ. Paul got his head cut off for Jesus Christ. Amen. Good Christians. The Christians that we respect. The Christians we read every morning in our daily Bible reading. Why do you think you're any different? You're not. But glorify God for it. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. Talking about suffering. Well, yeah, we're suffering. Here's a great truth you need to understand about suffering. Verse, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. Here's a great truth and what you need to understand about suffering. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. When you're suffering, and you're suffering for God, and you're suffering for whatever you're suffering through, you need to trust that God's the keeper of your soul. You've got to trust that, guys. Commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. God is faithful. He created you. You've got to trust Him through it. 
And you're going to go through it, and you've got to trust Him. And He's the keeper of your soul. So no matter what happens, in the end, He's got you. That's the first thing. But here's the main thing. Wherefore, let them suffer according to the will of God. It's God's will that you're going through this suffering. It's God's will. When I say the word God, you know, God is all-knowing, all-powerful. That's what God means. It's God's will you're suffering. If you're in here and you're dealing with any kind of problem, I'm just going to use cancer as an example. You know, God wasn't up in, God wasn't up in heaven and had his back turned, and Satan ran, through, ran behind God's back and gave you cancer and ran off, and then God turned around and went, Oh, wow. What happened here? Oh, Satan came in. I didn't even see it happen. That's ridiculous. God knows exactly what happened. And God allowed it to happen. Read the book of Job. They make God out to be, I talked to some Christians, and they make God out to be a bumbling, ignorant fool that can't even take care of his own people. Oh, what happened? Because that's how they are. They're bumbling and ignorant, so they figure God's bumbling and ignorant. God's not bumbling and ignorant. God knows exactly what's going on, and he's allowing it to happen. Amen. Now, you've got to grab a hold of that. Because you think, well, that makes God mean. No. That, mean God's, that means God's working in your life. And it means you need to submit to him. And you need to start praying, okay, God, and this is what I do, you do what you want to do. When something happens in my life and I start suffering, either be emotionally or physically, I question God by this. I, I pray and God, okay, Lord, what, what's going on? Am I doing something I shouldn't do? Did I do something I shouldn't Please forgive me, Lord, if I, I did some sin. or you know, what time, you know what, nine times out of ten, when I get on my knees, I know exactly what it was I done. God don't have to tell me. You ever walked in the house and caught your kids and they had that look on their face? And you say, I'm going to spank you. For what? For what? You know what. Sometimes we're getting spanked. Sometimes it's to keep us from sinning. Sometimes it's for God to get the glory. But you just need to, in conclusion, you need to say, okay, Lord, is this something I'm doing or something to keep me from doing, Lord? Or are you just trying to get the glory out of me? I'm going to keep praising you, Lord. Hey, it's just a storm. It's going to pass. You know, they were asking a black Christian what his favorite verse was, and it, he said, my favorite verse is it came to pass, and it came to pass. And the person asking him said, well, that's kind of strange. It, it came to pass. Why would you think that? He said, because pain and trouble didn't come to stay it came to pass. Amen. See, as a Christian, it's going to pass. Christ suffered, but he's not suffering now. Amen. You're suffering, maybe now, but you will come a time you won't be suffering. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Man, praise the Lord for that.
Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10, and I'm going to show you real quickly. It won't take me very long. I'm going to show you real quickly. If you'll endure through this suffering, what will happen in your life? Real quickly, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. Just, just turn the page. It might be on the same page. And Peter's going to tell you, if you will endure this suffering, because I know some of y'all are suffering. If you will endure this suffering, these are the four things that's going to happen in your life. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus. Oh man, there's a lot in that verse right there. After that you have suffered a while. Make you perfect, number one. Establish, number two. Strengthen, number three. Settle, number four. Settle you. See, as a Christian, when you endure suffering, there's four things going to happen in your life. See if this isn't true. First, he says, you'll be made perfect. Perfect is not... Perfect, we use the word perfect like it's... There's no flaw in it. Perfect means mature. You will become a mature Christian. That means you're a Christian that knows how to go through trials. We don't want to be babes in Christ, amen. We want to be a mature Christian. And that comes through suffering. He says, secondly, you'll be established. When you establish, when you suffer as a Christian, that establishes no doubt that you are a Christian. When you suffer as a Christian, that establishes there's no doubt you are a Christian. See? Thirdly, he says, strengthen. A strong Christian able to withstand trials. When you endure suffering, you'll be strengthened. You'll be a strong, a mature, strong Christian that's able to endure trials. So when the next suffering comes along, whatever it be, whatever it is in life, you will say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm here with thank you. I can pray to you. And you can deal with it. Because if you notice through your life as a Christian life, it, it was always, it was little sufferings, and then it comes into bigger sufferings. But you notice how you handle things so much better than you would have if that would have happened 20 years ago? Because you've matured, you've become perfect, you're becoming established, you're getting strengthened. See, you're getting strong in this enduring of suffering. And then lastly, he says, settle you. He'll settle you. What does that mean? Well, it simply means you'll be settling your heart. You'll be settled in your heart that God is God. And when you die, you know where you're going to go, and that's heaven. Amen. It's settled. Amen. See, when you endure this suffering, you get stronger. You become a better Christian. You're able to endure trials. But it also settles you knowing, hey, I'm going to go to heaven. God is God. See, that's what Ricky Dodd's done. He's suffered so much in his life that when you run into him, he says, you know what? God is God. I'm going to heaven. I can't wait to go there. That's why he talks about it so much. Because he suffered so much. Those that have suffered much are the ones that talk about heaven much. We want to go to heaven. We want to get out of this world. We're ready to end this suffering. Praise the Lord. I can't wait to get to heaven and just get rid of all this junk. One of the problems is we're looking at things the wrong way. This right here. Looks like a mess, doesn't it? And the whole problem with this mess is because you're looking at it from the wrong side. You've got to look at it from the right side. 
So we're down, we're down here on earth looking at it from up above, from down below, I mean. As we look at it from down below, all we see is the stitching. All we see is a mess of a stitching, the weaving, the stitching. We can't put it all together, but from God's side, God's working out a plan. And it's working out something. We sing that it is well with my soul. The guy who wrote that song, his name was Horatio Spafford. He was an attorney, and he, was, he lived in 1871 when the Chicago fire consumed the Windy City. He's heavily invested in real estate, lost a fortune. About this time, his only son, his only son, age four, succumbed to scarlet fever. Horatio drowned his grief and work, pouring himself into rebuilding the city and assisting the 100,000 that were left homeless. So in November 1873, he decided to take his wife and daughters to Europe. Horatio was close to Duardo Moody and Ira Stanky. He wanted to visit their evangelical meetings in England, then enjoy a vacation. When an urgent matter detained Horatio in New York, he decided to send his wife, Anna, and his four daughters, Maggie, Tanit, Annie, and Bessie, on ahead. And as he saw them settle in the cabin aboard the luxurious French liner, an uneasy filled his mind, and he moved them to a room closer to the bow of the ship. Then he said goodbye, promising to join them soon. So he sends his wife and his four kids over to England. During the small hours of November 1873, as that ship glided over the smooth seas, the passengers were jolted from their bunks. The ship had collided with an iron sailing vessel, sailing vessel, and water poured in like Niagara. The sailing vessel tilted dangerously. Screams, prayers, and oaths merged into a nightmare of unmeasured terror. Passengers clung to posts, tumbled through darkness, and were swept away by powerful currents of icy ocean. Loved ones fell from each other's grasp and disappeared into foaming blackness. Within two hours, the mighty ship vanished between the, beneath the waters. 226 fatalities included his four daughters. He'd already lost a son, now he's lost his four daughters. When his wife was found nearly, nearly unconscious, clinging to a piece of the wreckage, she called back to her husband, she cabled back to her husband, Saved alone. Remember, this is before telephone. She just, he's got a, it said saved, but alone. She's the only one that was saved. And her husband found out about it. So he immediately booked passage to join his wife. So en route to that, on a cold December night, the captain called him to the side and he said, Hey, listen, I believe we are now passing over the place where that ship went down. Spafford went to his cabin, but found it hard to sleep. He said to himself, it is well, the will of God be done. That's how we get our song, it is well with my soul. After all the things he went through, he still was able to sit down and write a song to the Lord. And say, Lord, no matter what, you've took my, you've took my four daughters and you took my son. It's still well with my soul. Do you know our hymns? are full of suffering Christians who wrote those songs while they were suffering. God will get the glory. You hang in there. God will get the glory in your life. God will get the glory. And you're suffering and suffering and somewhere, maybe it's a granddaughter, maybe it's a grandson, maybe it's a, a son or a daughter, maybe it's a neighbor, maybe it's a co-worker. They're watching you suffer. And they're watching to see if you're going to give God the glory. 
Hang in there, Christian. God will get the glory. And one day, it will pass. It will pass. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for giving us your words that we can understand why you're doing the things you're doing in our life. And Lord, since we call you God, we know what that means, that you're allowed to do whatever you want to do to us. And we fear you for that, Lord God. We fear you that you can do whatever you want, Lord God. But we know and trust you as Christians that you're a loving Heavenly Father. And that whatever you're doing in our lives, Lord, is for our own good, is for your glory. And we know you've promised us eternal life. And there will come a time in eternity, Lord God, that this will just seem like a passing fancy. We can't even remember the things we suffered through, Lord God, as we live in the joy and the glory and the love of your presence. And we can't wait to get up there to see you, Lord God. And Lord, we'd love just to have you come down and get us this morning, Lord God. Just rapture us out, Lord God. We'd love to see you. We're waiting for you, Father. We're waiting for you to come get us. And we love you so much. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, come on down and get saved. If, you've right with, if you need to get right with the Lord, the prayer altar is always open. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. And I, I pray that uh, the Lord will speak to your heart. Let's sing uh, 146. Let's sing it as well as my soul, brother. And let's sing all four verses of that. As we sing it as well as my soul as an invitation, I want you all to read what he's writing. And remember, he wrote this while he was suffering through on that cabin night, as he's on that ship knowing that his four daughters were in that water. Powerful song. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.